Welcome to The Boundless Self, a podcast that is here to explore all of the ways in which we limit ourselves. Together, we will explore the deep, messy, exciting, and often uncomfortable topics to identify and heal everything that keeps you from believing in your boundless potential. I'm your host, Kathleen McBride, and becoming boundless changed everything for me. Now I run a life and a business embracing my own fears and helping people all around the world to believe in themselves. Tune into each episode and join me on your journey of becoming your most boundless self. Hello, lovers, and welcome back to another episode of the Boundless Self podcast. It was Valentine's Day a couple of days ago here in New Zealand and wherever you are. So Valentine's Day will probably be a few days before this episode gets released. And I just wanted to jump on with a quick reminder, if you didn't see some of the posts I shared on Instagram, was that it's okay to be sad on Valentine's Day if you're single or if you're not single. It's okay to it's okay to feel a bit sad and a bit lonely. And it also doesn't take away from the fact that you are, you know, living it up in your single gal era and that you are a strong, independent person who don't need no partner, don't need no man. It doesn't take away from that if you have been experiencing some feelings of sadness or loneliness around this time. And if you haven't already, please go back and watch and read the reel that I posted the eve of Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day Eve on my Instagram. I'm at Kathleen.mindsetcoach because I think it's really important for us to allow our feelings and emotions to be whatever they need to be without judgment. Honestly, true healing has been allowing myself to feel my feelings and to live my experience without judgment, without making it mean something about myself, without making it mean I'm a failure, without making it mean I'm desperate and allowing those emotions to be there. And if you are looking to learn all of this and so much more, if you're looking to learn how to be kind and compassionate towards yourself, how to feel and experience your emotions and feelings, how to bring up some of that baggage from the past that you've been holding on to and finally clear and get over it. If you've been noticing that you've been showing up in your life from a place of anxiety, self-doubt, a lack of confidence, basically as a version of yourself that you frankly don't like and don't feel like you are on the inside, but yet you seem to be showing up in life this way. You seem to not be going after the things that you want. You seem to be continuing to not set boundaries to people, please, to doubt yourself and to overthink and feel overwhelmed when it comes to speaking up, using your voice, being creative, going after your dreams, starting that side hustle, you know, whatever it is that you want. If you are facing blocks and barriers there I'm sharing with you I have two one-on-one coaching spaces inside my 12-week mindset transformation program it is the most beautiful journey and it is one-on-one meaning that we go on this beautiful journey together of healing and building a strong solid foundation of self-worth and belief in you that you can feel your feelings you can feel and experience whatever it is that is coming up for you with confidence knowing that you have your own back building trust in yourself and building a strong solid mindset to go after the dreams and the future that you want okay I am a coach that isn't in the business of making dreams a reality and so often we hold ourselves back from the things that we really want because of doubt because of fear because of anxiety because we don't feel good enough and I'm here to say that that needs to stop and that is what my work as a coach is centered around building a strong solid foundation of self-worth so that you can believe in you to create the life you really want. And that involves having big, courageous conversations with people. That involves using your voice. That involves speaking up, getting creative, and putting your dreams out on the line to make sure that they happen. So if this is you and you're feeling excited by this, please go to the link in the show notes. I've put a link there to book in a free connection call with me, which is just a quick chat to talk about the program, to talk about coaching, and to see if it's the right thing for you. The link is there. You can also click the second link below it, which is going 
going to show you to the webpage where you can learn more about one-on-one coaching, what it looks like and what it involves. We do a variety of work, including inner child work, somatic healing, nervous system work, and so much more. Also very exciting news, I am running another free inner child workshop. This last couple of ones have been so freaking popular and so life-changing. I've decided to run another one in mid-March. So if you'd like to sign up for that or you'd like to learn more, again, head to the show notes because I've put all the information there and you can sign up to be notified of when the link is released and you can join in for the workshop as well as what I added onto this last time, which I loved so much, was the seven-day inner child healing challenge, which was seven days, an accountability group with guided practice exercises, meditations to heal your inner child over the seven days to integrate and bring the work that you learn in the workshop into your life. So head to the show notes to make sure you sign up there. I think the problem really occurs is when we start to label our emotions as good and bad. There's also, which is funny in this episode, we talk about this too, when we start to label food as good and bad. There are so many things that have created a big problem for us in this world and have led to obsession or negativity because of the fact that we label them as good or bad. Your emotions aren't good. Not one emotion is better than the other. Your emotions aren't bad. Your emotions simply are energy in motion. So daily reminder to just let yourself feel and experience whatever it is that you're feeling without the judgment and let it pass, let it move through. And that's when that energy doesn't get stuck. Now, this is a pretty big moment for me, this guest that we have on today. Um, first of all, I want to say, can you bloody believe it? We are 19 episodes into The Boundless South, and it has been absolutely incredible. What started as when I was in Greece on holiday uh, with my mum and some friends in end of September last year, and my mum did a Reiki session on me, and straight away, literally right after the Reiki session, I was like, I'm going to make a podcast. And I had the name of it. I had the visuals. I had the idea. And I honestly, I looked at my mom and I said, mom, I'm going to make a podcast. Can you please be on my first episode? And can we do it on intergenerational healing? Like what we've done. And she was like, oh, okay. And we sat there and we recorded the podcast straight away. I spent about three days just deep in this almost hidey hole, which was hilarious because I was in Greece at the time as well. In this big hidey hole of like, I am in the fucking zone and I created this entire podcast in the space of three days. I created the first few episodes. I was recording the um, intro and making the intro literally under a blanket in the basement of this beautiful villa that we were in in Greece with my Apple plug-in headphones because we didn't have anything else. And here we are. Many months later, 19 episodes in, so many amazing guests, so many amazing conversations, so many amazing topics talked about, and so many resources and so many live coaching sessions. I'm so incredibly proud of this podcast, and I have fucking big dreams and goals for it this year. And that excitingly starts today. If you didn't see a few weeks ago, I posted on my Instagram that something very exciting had happened and that I had some big news. And it was this it is this podcast episode with this amazing guest who I actually wrote on my vision board when I was making this podcast I had an idea of of who I wanted it to be who I wanted to have as dream guests on this podcast and this lovely lady was a dream guest and that I had written down in my manifestation list and it came bloody true today and it's a very exciting moment now the woman that we have on today her name is Bella Davis if you do not follow her on Instagram please do Um, she is Isabella Davis 6 I think it's a funny story as to why it's there She is an amazing content creator. She's also a self-love queen. She is your most amazing hype gal. She is a ray of fucking sunshine. And she is standing for 
ED recovery, she is standing for allowing your body to be what it is, not labeling bodies as good and bad. She is just a ray of positive light in the world and especially around this topic of body image. She speaks so openly about what it's been like to heal from her eating disorder, to gain weight, to allow her body to get to her happy weight, as she says. And she shares all of this in her episode with us. So if you are listening today, please know that we do discuss pretty in-depth eating disorders, including bulimia, vomiting, anorexia, um, as well as binge eating. And we go pretty deep into that. So if you are going through something like this and it's really close to your chest, please just look after yourself while you're listening and decide whether it's going to be supportive for you or not. In this episode, we dive deep into how fucked up diet culture is, how young it starts. And Balish so vulnerably shares her story with us of what it was like to become so obsessed and to spiral so deeply into bikini body challenges and being obsessed with weight loss to be finally become an eating disorder she shares her journey of what it was like to reach out for help as well and what her healing has gone through she also shares with us which is so cool the journey of her instagram page which i will let her i was about to tell the story but i'm going to let her tell that story but she shares with us what it's been like to grow a massive following and amazing community and to post the most amazing things that she shares so vulnerably if you do not follow her on instagram please go and follow her because you will feel better. And when I was on the journey of gaining weight um, after my eating disorder and I just wanted to let myself do it, I went through and I unfollowed every single person that wasn't contributing to my mental health. And I went and specifically sought out a bunch of people like Bella who were promoting this safety, who were promoting what normal bodies look like, who were promoting and showing and speaking very loudly about the fact that we are not worth what our bodies look like and we don't need to continually strive to be thin, to be happy. And that is Bella to a T. So I'm so freaking excited to bring Bella on and this conversation is beautiful and incredible. Enjoy. And if you like this episode, if it resonates with you, please share to your stories and tag me in it. I am Kathleen.MindsetCoach. You can also tag Bella in it as well. Where's it gone? Isabella Davis 6, okay? So don't forget to tag us um, in your stories. I cannot wait to see this episode being shared far and wide. It's such a freaking important message, especially for young people everywhere. So let's dive into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Boundless South. And I am so like overjoyed and so, so excited to be bringing on this next guest, this amazing woman who is just a ray of sunshine and hope and everything I wish to see in the world for young women and young men and young people everywhere. She is someone who I followed a long time ago and literally had like almost, you know, like heart palpitations being like, holy crap, like this is amazing. Like the level of things that, you know, this lovely lady has shared, the things she stands stands for, the things she speaks about and the things that she creates for the world to see is incredibly empowering. I would say that empowerment is the number one word I get from her and acceptance is probably the second, but welcoming on Bella Davis. Thank you so much for being here. You amazing lady. How you doing? That was the most beautiful introduction I've ever <laughs> I didn't plan it. But... It was so lovely. I was like, oh, my God, me? It was really nice. I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you, and so excited to, to hear more about your journey with 
an eating disorder with body confidence, with body image, self-acceptance, and all the other things that we have been conditioned to believe we have to hate about ourselves, you know? Um, And I think we're going to have an epic conversation today. So Bella, I would just love to hear... What was your journey like? Roll us back to, I've seen a lot on your Instagram about how when you were younger, you really struggled, like always struggled with your body image and, you know, almost had to fight against it, you know, for a long time. But tell us about your journey. Where did this start for you? So I think when I was about eight years old, I just started to observe all the women in my life. So um, my mom, her friends, their friends, cousins and everyone just commenting on their body. And it wasn't like outwardly um, commenting, but maybe they'd walk past the mirror and be like, oh, my thighs look so big or um, you can see my cellulite through this dress or I'm starting a new diet. There was a lot of diet chat everywhere. Like I swear um, whenever I was around the females in my life, there was always diet talk. Um, And I was observing this at like eight years old. So In a way, that stuck with me um, all up until high school as well. And then high school, those feelings just just got worse and um, more evident that I felt the exact same way they were feeling because I'd learned that, you know, learned behaviour. And um, because I was starting to look like these people in my life as well, you know, um, starting to look like my family members, I was noticing how my thighs were getting bigger. And I was comparing my legs to other people's legs, like my friends, because they have such different body types than I do. Um, So I was like, why doesn't my thighs look like theirs? Why don't my legs look like theirs? Why are mine all bumpy and theirs are completely smooth? And that's where it really started, just comparing myself to people I saw in my real life, my friends, my family, and then people I saw online as well. Because when you, you know, you're so obsessed with your body image, I turned to social media for support. And it was Tumblr at the time, I remember. (laughs) I love how you said support. And you're like, "Mm, looking back, it might have been the opposite. Yeah. It's completely opposite. I I think everyone was like obsessed with Tumblr at this time. Yeah. You know, smoke. That's a word that I'm looking for. And then I would like make pages on my Tumblr account of all these super thin women. And I was like, that's what I want to look like. Um, and it really started there, but then it only amplified when I turned about 16. Because that's when I got really into dieting. Yeah. And, and only being 16, right, with all the things a 16-year-old goes through, you know, which is a, a very intense time in a young woman's life, right? Intense. Um, yeah. And then dieting on top of it, right? Like you you almost at 16, or when you get into those later teen years, you become more in control of what you're eating right and so dieting starts to take uh like it starts to become an easy path to go down does and then exercising in your bedroom because you're scared yeah parents will walk by or whatnot and staying up late doing crunches which is awful oh my god (laughs) i so remember and like your little tiny bedroom area next to your bed just doing as much as you can yeah Mm. Yeah, as much as you can before you go to sleep. And I remember that. But I think everyone around me saw dieting as such like a normal thing that everyone was doing. 
at 16, 17. So everyone was just dieting. My family were dieting. So it wasn't anything uncommon. And when I turned 17, there was like a um, massive spike in like um, bikini body challenges. I don't know if you remember this, but mm-hmm. there was like, always a bikini it took off, body challenge didn't they? everywhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it took off. It was like 30 days, get a bikini body or something like that. And I remember at 17 being like, oh, I need to sign up for that. So I joined a bikini body challenge uh, with one of my family members. And then I started going to that. And I thought it was like, you know, normal. This is fine. Everyone does this. It was like boot camp. It was intense. Um, and I was they like yelling and screaming at you. To- <laughs> God, God. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, Cause there was a, there was a really crazy trainer at first and then we got a really nice trainer who was lovely. Um, but it was, it was very intense. It was like weekly weights. Oh um, my God. Probably the yeah. worst thing you can fucking do to someone. Eh? Weekly worst weigh-ins, thing. right? Like I yeah. remember um, going to, did any of your parents do Weight Watchers or Jeannie Craig or anything like that? Oh, yes. Yeah. And like, I remember being, yeah, probably about eight years old and watching, or going with my mum to the Weight Watchers weekly weigh-in, you know, and seeing, watching these men and women stand on the scale and either look happy or sad. And I remember going, why are some happy, why are some sad? And then, you know, trudging on and getting some packs of shakes or whatever for the next week. And it's absolutely heartbreaking, (laughs) right? And then, yes, those bikini body challenges became really popular, didn't they? Yes, they were so popular. And I think they were ran by a lot of like the um, fitness instructors on Instagram who were making like, you know, a massive followings on Instagram at this time because I'm pretty sure back in those days, Instagram was full of like either photos of your friends or videos of people working out. That's all it was. (laughs) (laughs) That's what existed, yeah. (laughs) That's all it feels like that existed. So... Um, and it was also those weigh-ins that tell you like your fat percentage, your muscle percentage, and then they're really highlighting the fat percentage in your body. And then we had to do that every week. And then we got, um, you know, a food plan of what you had to eat and what you had to avoid and grams of things like sugar, fat, all that stuff. So I became hyper fixated on boot camp. I was like obsessed with it. Like, and this was at 17, I would say. And this is um, at that time in my life where I'm going through my HSC as well. And, you know, puberty is at an all-time high. Feelings <laughs> are at an all-time high. Everything else is going yeah. on with your body. Um, and I became obsessed. I think I went six times a week. And then I also was exercising in between that as well. And... I was living with my dad at the time and dad had no idea what was going on. Like, I don't blame him. I was very good at hiding it. uh, Like a lot of people are. So I was super good at hiding it. So I don't blame him wondering what was happening. But I remember doing the weekly shop and being like, I have to avoid that. And I literally avoided the um, lolly aisle with all the delicious chocolates and biscuits for, for, for like close to three years. Wow, three years. I couldn't even walk down it. I remember I just pretended that it didn't even exist. Yeah, I was like, it's not here. It doesn't exist. And I walked straight past it. Um, And then I'd get all these foods that were like on my 
like list of foods to eat for the challenge. And I think it was a 30 day challenge, but I just kept doing them. And I just kept doing the challenges over and over again. And without knowing, I, I realized it was spiraling into obsession for exercise. And then when I wasn't seeing uh, results quickly enough, it spiraled into an eating disorder because I was like, well, I'm doing all I can. I'm exercising twice a day. What else can I do? Yeah. Oh, I can stop eating. And that was also, it wasn't just the food. Obviously, there was other things going on in my life that I felt I was out of control. I couldn't control what was happening with my family. I couldn't control my exams in the HSA. I couldn't control my relationships, my friendships. But the one thing I could control was what I put into my body. So I was going to be in control of that. But obviously, that then spiraled into an eating disorder without even knowing what an eating disorder was. Yeah, that is like a a very, a journey that so many people go through with obsession, right? And that desire to control because you're right. No matter what is, you know, no matter what age we are, there's always other shit going on in our lives, right? There's always going to be emotional highs and lows. There's always going to be that stuff that we feel out of control. And especially as teens, we aren't taught how to, feel emotion we aren't taught how to support ourselves through those big events in our lives through the scary things that are happening and so your brain and what we know now about the real caveman parts of our brain the real survival parts they are looking for things that they can control so numbers and anything that you can kind of almost externalize and make sense of like a number like you know calories grams of food number on the scale measurements 30 days you know whatever it is your brain loves that you know and it's it, because it gives it that false sense of control right and you hit the nail on the head there for so many who have struggled with eating disorders not everyone but uh, a big portion has been about can I control something in my life can I feel the sense of control which is that sense of safety right and not only with you mentioned all the comparison that was going on right like so young being like why do my thighs not look like my friends you know why is my body shape different to my peers rather than that being celebrated or rather than having conversations about different body types rather than having it made aware that oh you're probably never gonna look I don't know about you but I, I think we have a very similar body type and I, again, with the thighs things, with the, the thighs things, with the <laughs> thing, um, with the thigh thing, I always was had this idea that I would get to a place somehow magically where my thighs would lose the shape that they have and turn into something else. You know what I mean? And like, no matter what weight I've been at, it's never happened. And I'm like, oh, they're always going to, like, this is always how my body's going to look, you know? And, but it's just, it's so much for somebody at such a young age and there's so many people going through it, right? Without even realizing that obsession sets in, right? And like, I love what you said about, and this was, this was health advice that I'm pretty sure is still promoted. Avoid the like three middle lanes of the supermarket, right? Remember they said only shop the outskirts. That's what you need, right? Just avoid the like three middle lanes of the supermarket. And when you think about it, how the hell are you going to continue for the rest of your fucking life in avoiding the three middle lanes of the supermarket? Exactly. It just leads into a different eating disorder then. Like it's just how binging happens. Exactly. Um, 
people like or it's just like treat days i don't understand treat days i used to do it though um every now and um now and then or a treat meal because if we avoid foods and we label foods as really bad or really good then we're you know um labeling ourselves as bad or good i used to do that i used to be like oh when i ate I don't know. I'm just going to reference a salad here because I can't think of anything else. <laughs> when I ate a salad, I was like, oh, I'm so good. Pat yeah. on the back. On the back. So- I'm good. Yep. I'm worthy. I'm a good gal. Yep. Yeah. And then when I ate like a donut, I'd be like, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, this is such a bad, naughty food. Mm-hmm. And I was like, food isn't naughty. It's not wearing cute little lingerie. It's not naughty. <laughs> um, Imagine if it was. Well, I think I'd be eating a lot more of those naughty foods if they were. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I I used to do that. And I remember um, I think the challenge I did also labelled foods as bad or good. Yeah. So I grew yeah. up labelling foods as bad or good. My family did it. Everyone did it in my life. And people still do it. I still hear it all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, it's so normalised and it's so common because again as human beings we want to feel like we have a sense of control so going into that real black and white thinking there's a win there's a lose there's a good there's a bad that is those caveman parts of our brain coming to life going you know they're really just trying to help you however it's not helping us in the long run right from what we know now and especially those really young years like what we know now about the subconscious mind and how we formed as adults and how we learn to be a human in the world, those ages from zero to seven and seven to 14 are so friggin' key in terms of setting up how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the world, how you feel about your body. And they're really ingrained, which is why I think it's, and especially we not only have society continuing the conversation, it's gotten better, but it's still out there a lot of yes. continuing the conversation of foods are good and bad. You know, you've got to look this way to, you know, be deemed sexy or to be deemed worthy. We still have that out there. So not only do we have those messages out there, but then you have the messages inside your own head, right? Inside your own subconscious or unconscious mind, which is all that stuff that you don't really think about right like the comparison instantly you know let's say you're wearing shorts and then you see another person out with shorts on the on the street you there's a part of your brain sometimes that just instantly makes that comparison you don't even know it's happening right same with the foods good and bad it happens so like a fun little test for everyone is to go into the supermarket or go look at your fridge or your pantry and be like oh what's what's good and bad foods what do i automatically go good and bad and like you said do I make that mean that I'm good or I'm bad? Because that's when some of the deeper issues start to occur and really impact how you feel about you, right, and how you treat yourself. Yeah, exactly, because I used to do that um, so much as a teenager and then even into my early 20s as well. I used to be obsessed with uh, calorie counting as well. Oh, my God. Did you use my fitness pal? Yes, yes. Um, I curse. I was working in a shop, actually. I was working in a jeans shop, and I was very obsessed with weight loss. I was about 17, and I was talking to this lady who just was coming in to buy jeans and shit. I've lost all this weight. And me and the girl working at the camp, oh, my God, how'd you do it? You know, give us the tips. And she said, my fitness pal. And I was on there, jumped on 1,200 calories a day, and it was all downhill from there, right? I was the exact same. I was the, honestly the exact same, just tracking everything I ate and everything I I was obsessed with um, labels, nutrition labels. So everything I ate, I would like look at the back of it, 
right, great, this is excellent, this is excellent, great, I can eat that, no, I can't eat this. And this was at like 17, like you, like so young, so impressionable, like so um, moldable to think this way. And I don't know, I just like went down this like spiral where, like I said, I was obsessed with exercise. And it doesn't probably help that a lot of the people in the group that I was exercising with, the boot camp group, actually I'm going to go as far and say all of them, like 99% were older women. Mm. And I was probably, I was like the youngest person there. So, and then I became obsessed with, you know, losing the most weight in the group. And um, even though I was like, like I said, 20 years younger than them. Um, And I became obsessed with like winning the fitness test and everything like that. And without even knowing, like I said before, like it developed into an eating disorder where I it took over my entire life. Yeah. Like no, I couldn't think of anything other than food. Like wow. anything other. Yeah, that was like on my mind constantly. I was always watching like YouTube videos of people eating and I was like obsessed with recipes. It was weird because I um, – but I wouldn't allow myself to like eat those foods. Or if I did, because um, I developed an eating disorder called bulimia. Um, so I was bleeding and I was like, even if I let myself eat those foods, it wouldn't be for very long. Yeah. And um, which it was just like a weird mindset where like I was obsessed with food because I was so damn hungry. And I was like, what are you so damn hungry, right? Like it almost <laughs> like you're literally like allowing yourself to sniff the the cake but you're not allowed to eat it you know like watching those videos right of recipes and like being like oh let's look up all this stuff like let's bring it out your mind is literally saying to you bella we're fucking starving we're so hungry we're so hungry right and yeah oh so painful so young and back to what you said around you know being in this group in this challenge and becoming obsessed with winning it becoming obsessed with winning the fitness challenges losing the most weight because what, what happens there is that it's celebrated, right? If you lose the most oh, weight, yes. you win it. You are given a pat on the back. You are given applause. You are given recognition. You are deemed as successful and as worthy, right? It's filling yeah. this hole that you had inside of you. Of, I don't feel good enough. It's trying to fill that temporarily. And this is what becomes so dangerous, I think, for so many of us around weight loss and around these eating patterns and around these fitness challenges is the celebration of it. Because think about what that's doing to your young, impressionable brain. And even as you, like, I think all stages of our life, you know, we're all human beings. We all want to feel loved and like we belong and like we're accepted, you know, in the groups that we're in. And so when somebody celebrates you or recognizes you or congratulates you for something, you make a link in your head going, oh, that's a good thing, right? I should keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I have such a problem with like society idolizing like weight loss and praising weight loss because you have no idea what someone's gone through to lose that weight. Like you literally have no idea. You have no idea what they're going through in general, even if they wanted to intentionally lose weight. That's fine by them. If they really want to do that, that's fine. But we praise so much. We praise weight loss. It's almost like being like, 
oh my god you look so much better now because you've lost weight you look so yes. much better now that is literally <laughs> what you think they're really saying even if they don't say those words that's what you're hearing isn't it you're hearing I'm so much better now I'm so much more lovable I'm so much more likable now that I am this weight and you're so right and this is what's so harmful is you literally have no idea what somebody's going through or gone through to have lost that weight you don't know if it's stress related you don't know I was bulimic as well and it's heartbreaking to look back now at some of my closest friends and family celebrating me congratulating me when I was in the bathroom forcing myself to be sick and that was how I lost weight it's heartbreaking isn't it and looking back on that now and you're probably very very much the same like you're like that is fucked like it is absolutely fucked like it's mind-boggling that that even happens I agree so I don't know about you but I didn't have one person ask me if I was okay yeah not one like I think my dad really tried to, but I, like I said, I was so good at fighting everything that I didn't want him to. And if he tried, I was automatically shutting him out, um, yeah. acting like it didn't happen. And he was looking after a 17-year-old girl on his own, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, a lot of, I, yeah he has no idea what to do. And I think that's why it's – it's hard because it's not spoken about, you know, almost you wish, you wish as a parent that, you know, you get to go through a course, you know, to be like, here's what to look out for. Here's the mental health markers, you know, and Bella, my mum was a mental health nurse. My mum was in the mental health space. We actually just had this conversation this weekend and she didn't know. She didn't know. She knew, I think she had questions to some degree and we had a great conversation about it this weekend. And I don't remember a lot of this stuff. Like I think I blacked out or pushed some of these memories away, but she said, yeah, that she had had some conversations with me around it. But I always, like you said, we're so good at hiding it. I blamed it on, I blamed it on actually on going off the pill. I was going off the pill and I blamed a lot of it on this, you know, supposed nausea that I was facing and that that was why I was losing weight. Um, And we are good at hiding it. And it's, it's sometimes easy to hide it because it's again marketed and so believed to be in the world that losing weight is the epitome of health. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everyone oh, goes, oh, losing weight, healthy, right? Two thumbs up. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going on your journey and exercising. Super healthy, right? Like I was very similar to you, Bella. I was exercising freaking twice a day. Like I yeah. I don't even know how I was doing it. I don't even know how I was keeping up with my life and like, you know, showing up as a human, but the obsession was so strong and you almost condition yourself to get used to it. But again, everyone goes, Oh my God, exercise is great. I had literally asking me for tips being like, how do you lost weight? What workouts are you doing? What are you eating? And like, it sounds really crude for me to say, I have a very dark sense of humor about this stuff, but I honestly, I did me too. It was like, I was in the bathroom. Using my yeah, I was like, I'm not eating. <laughs> yeah, I'm either not eating or I'm binging and I'm throwing it up, you know, and yeah. um, I'm working myself to the bone. I am highly obsessed. I don't feel, if I could say my tip, don't feel good enough. That's the tip, you know? Um, yes. And it's, yes. just, it's absolutely fucked. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Heartbreaking looking back. Um, and this is why I'm so excited that people like you exist in this world who are out here being who have joined the rebellion i call it a rebellion i think we need we need the anger we need it to fuel the fire to fuel the flame of pain that so many of us have been in and gone through and it's so it surprises me every time 
when I hear that somebody has an eating disorder, I almost go, huh? Like I was like, oh my God, I thought it was only me. You know, I thought that was shameful. I thought it was alone. And it's a lot more common than I ever expected. Have you found that? Yes, I've been uh, recently talking to a few close friends of mine who have opened up about like their binging habits. And I personally, I never binged. I, um, yeah, I was just like, I was believing, but I know binging and believing I can go hand in hand. It can, yeah, like the binge and the purge cycle, yeah. Yeah, but for me, it was more like anything I ate, I just threw up. So it didn't matter what it was. It was yeah. just everything after every meal or maybe not after every meal. I had to make sure I had a little bit of something in there. But for me, it went down that road, like close to anorexia because um, I was just like losing my hair. Um, and You're losing your hair. How, like, honestly, you think about it, eh? how much exercise you were doing and how little yeah. food and energy you would have had in your body, how you were even coping. Like, no wonder. And this is where you get stuck in that spiral because it's like, no wonder your mental state was so poor during that time. Because yeah. think about your body is probably just trying to go, like, you're losing your hair, right? So your body's going, fuck, something is wrong. We, you know, we are close to death almost in some cases. Or there's, there's something hitting us. There's some bad thing happening and we're just trying to get through it, you know? Yeah, and I was, like, always cold. Like, I remember that. I was always cold and I was uh, losing my hair. But sorry, I'm completely off topic. Back to my friend. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, recently I've had uh, two of my really close mates, like, um, reach out to me and they're like, I have like a problem with like binging. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like I, I know about it obviously, but I was like, I haven't, I haven't experienced it myself. And I was like, here's some resources, like reach out. But like, I think, uh, people see, sounds weird to say, but I feel like people see binge eating disorder so normal or they don't see it as an eating disorder. Maybe that's it. They're yes. an yeah. eating disorder. Yeah. They, yeah. Like, even friends, because I was like, you know, it's an eating disorder, right? And they're like, oh, no, an eating disorder is when you're like Leaning, really, really thick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When you're really, really thin. And I'm like, no, like, this is an eating disorder. Like, this is what you have. Um, and which is the upsetting thing about eating disorders as well. They're characterized in like this box and you have to look this certain way to have one. You have to be like, you have to look like I did when I had one virtually yeah. or actually no thinner than that. You have to look like that. We're like, no, anyone of any shape and any size, any gender can have an eating disorder. It yeah. doesn't matter. Like, I think that's the scary thing and the damaging thing mm. about like about eating disorders is people and society looking at eating disorders because my friends like they like like I it took me a while for them to get to acknowledge that like like you know this is an eating disorder as well binging disorder like and they're like oh no 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 I'm just like and I'm like no, it is. It and, is, right? And you're like, because it's normalized because of the fact that we restrict so much, right? The only, just like, you know, when you're like trying to save really hard and be with your money and so you get really yeah. tight and you're really stringent about things and you stop and then you have a big blowout, right? Yeah, it is, it's the same essence, any sense of restriction that we have in our lives, like, you know, you know, avoiding the supermarket lolly aisle, any restriction that we have 
I do believe that a binge can often sneak in in that area, but binging is normalized, going a bit overboard or, you know, even the thing of oh, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. Like, look at all these words that we use. Look at all the things that we say. Look, you know, Thanksgiving, everyone's sitting there with your, you know, pants unbuttoned. We normalize we normalize binging. We normalize it as just a thing that, you know, a thing that we do from time to time. And it's not normal, right? It's not normal to eat more, eat till the point where you feel sick or to eat more than, you know, like that's not normal. And I think we need to stop saying and pretending that it is. So I love that you're sharing this. And in my own journey, it took me such a long time to actually own and get help that I had an eating disorder, that I was bulimic, that I suffered with binge eating disorder as well. And I didn't look like what I thought I needed to look like, you know, like even in the in the height of my eating disorder, I was 67 kilos, you know, and I never got to that point where I was, you know, considered super thin or, you know, what I imagined an eat person with an eating disorder would need to look like. And yes. that was really hard too, because it took me so much fucking longer than it should have. Yeah. So much longer than it should have to realize this is what's happening. Um, even, you know, and I think it's mind blowing, for we've we've had very different upbringings, but I grew up with a mental health nurse. I grew up with mental health very you know closely surrounding me. I knew what an eating disorder was. I knew people who had suffered from them, and I just never was able to put myself in that in that that category. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. I just want to lose weight because I want to be healthy, you know. Um, blah blah blah. And it's so fucking normalized, but yeah, binge eating, eh? It's not normal, and it let's stop saying that it is. Yeah, that's what I tried to tell my friends and I was like, I think it didn't it definitely got through to them. Like in the end, I was like, it's not normal. You need to like seek out help or mm. like advice on how to like help yourself with your binging. Like I was like, it's not shameful, like it's not embarrassing, it's not something you need to feel bad about or guilty of, but it's something you need to acknowledge, like, that, yes, this is an eating disorder. I think, like, one of my friends, like, she was just like, no, because I'm not, like, you know, I'm not thin. And I'm like, you don't need to be. Yeah. Like, you literally don't need to be thin to have an eating disorder. And, like, it's so, it's so sad that that's the way we think. Because even with me. I was like, oh, no, looking at, like, the photos of people with um, anorexia or bulimia, I was like, no, I don't look like that. But, I like, in my mind, I was like, that's the worst possible scenario. Yeah. These people, their liver's failing, their kidneys are failing, their heart's failing. That's the worst possible scenario. And if I keep going, I just look like that. I will look like that. Yeah. But I was like, you know, like, I think it's gotten better now. I think the images of the line have gotten better. And yeah. better, like the Butterfly Foundation are amazing when it comes to, like, eating disorders and, and that and, like, normalising the fact that, like, you know, anyone can have one. It doesn't yeah. look like something. But, yeah, I yeah. even today, you know, people are still, like, I have to look a certain way. And I, I have to look a certain way, yeah. And, like, Tess Holiday. Um, she like her story of being diagnosed with anorexia and the conversation that came about from that was so fucking incredible to see um, and realize that anyone can have one right anyone and you don't need to look a certain way or shape yeah my god what a powerful conversation for anyone listening <laughs> so Bella tell us 
you got to this point where shit really hit the fan and what was what's what helped you out what sprung you to the point where you were able to start realizing that this was an issue this wasn't normal this wasn't healthy yeah so it was like I think I was about oh, 19 I'm gonna say 19 and I was um at home and like this behavior just continued for so long except I was going out drinking now so like um, add some binge drinking to it that's the other way we normalize binging right is drinking and then and then on Monday you know you start your diet again great Monday starting this but I was still um bulimic and everything um and then there was one night uh it gets quite dark I was in the bathroom and I was like I literally cannot do this again like um there was like blood all over the toilet bowl and I was like I can't I can't keep doing this and I remember my dad like was calling me he's like you okay you okay and I'm like I'm fine I'm fine I had like tears rolling down my face and I was like what have I done and then I like pulled at my hair and there was a chunk of hair oh my gosh yeah and I was like I don't know what I'm doing like I can't I'm not happy. I'm like, all my friends are out. This was the one time I didn't go out. And I'm like, and I'm here because I can't go out because I'm embarrassed to go out because I'm trying so hard to look a certain way. And I like, I remember I went into bed and I like just Googled like hair falling out, growing up, um, cold. And then I was met with like bulimia and I was like, oh, okay. I think this might be what I have. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And then I came across like the Butterfly Foundation. I didn't feel like brave enough to call them because I didn't know what to say. So I just went onto their online chat and they're like, do you need help now? And I was like, oh, I just need, I need some resources. I need to talk to someone about what to do. And then they offered me all these great resources and they chatted with me and then I booked in to see a psychologist and um, it kind of started from there but then I you know I went back and forth with dieting but I decided I had to stop like making myself grow up I decided like I couldn't keep doing this because I could saw what it was doing to my body and I was like I've wanted to be healthy so long for so long I was like, my hair is falling out <laughs> not healthy like wow. and it was really hard because all these people were trying to help me in terms of like the psychologist um uh a new trainer like they're trying to get me into exercise in like a slow way like but none of it really helped I had to help myself I was like I have to do this um and I have to get better. But obviously then I was going for every fad diet that I could possibly have. Yeah. Did you ever try Gustinia Cambogia pills? Uh, no, what's that? Sounds awful. Oh, God. I remember it was a uh, – I was just a sucker for any quick fix. Uh, any quick fix, you know, those the those coffee, the tea, the coffees and the teas that yeah. literally made me shit myself. Um, mm. God almighty. Like a laxative. Yeah, then I literally found out, oh, my God, I've been giving myself a laxative. Like, this, like this is mind-blowing that this stuff is even allowed out in the world, you know, to be sold online. Um, 
It's so fucking crazy. So you really had like Bella, this dark night of the soul. And it was a really, obviously it was the moment where you decided I need to get better and your recovery. It's never in a straight line, is it? Like it just isn't. Um, And it's, it's messy and it's hard and it's difficult. And I love what you said there that you had to make the decision, you know, like, as much support as there is out there and that's needed and you you have to yeah. it's important to have that but there's also that thing within you where you have to decide I'm not going to do this anymore I'm going to lead myself out into the light you know I'm gonna I'm gonna find a, a different way to feel okay right yeah exactly because I I tried to recover so many more times like before that there were other nights where I was like I'm not gonna do this anymore or other moments every morning every single morning I'm like I'm not gonna do this anymore I'm not gonna do it like I can't do it I need to stop but nothing ever clicked and because at this stage I was still like scared to tell my parents because I don't know it was just like the environment I grew up in was very uh different like um very broken family uh I just found it hard to talk to anyone in my family to be honest like I found it really hard to open up to anyone so I just didn't and I feel like a lot of people would feel this way like scared to scared to tell your parents because you don't know what will happen or whatever even though I'm sure we'll be supportive um it's just hard it's hard to do that it's hard because they might not understand um, so I felt like I couldn't do that, but, um, and then, like I said, like the road to recovery was so, so hard because I kept trying diets and I kept doing all of that stuff. And I felt like, you know, I wasn't bulimic anymore, but I was still obsessed with exercise yeah. and I was still obsessed with like eating a certain way, uh, until I decided, Hey, I don't actually enjoy moving my body in this way. Like, this feels shit. <laughs> I don't like doing hitch workouts. They kind of <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I actually hate this. Um, <laughs> this is, like, so shit. I'm like, I don't enjoy doing this type of workout. I don't enjoy eating these kinds of foods. Um, I don't enjoy feeling bad about what I'm putting in my body. Like, every time I eat ice cream, I don't enjoy this. I'm like, why don't I just try... Uh, something else why don't I just try eating foods out of joy and love and because they remind me of memories why don't I try just eating food that I'm feeling like eating and then I turn to like you know um missing the word right now it's really annoying me is it intuitive eating yes I oh, tried yeah. and I was like I'm still gonna I'm just gonna eat you know if I feel like eating a chocolate I'll eat it if I feel like eating a salad, I'll eat it. And I still do eat those foods because I'm like, well, I, I, my body needs nutrition and I know that, but I don't feel shameful now about eating pasta. I love pasta. It's my favorite food. <laughs> I feel shameful about eating it. And that really helped me, like getting in tune with my body and fixing my relationship with food as well, which helped by like acknowledging that food isn't good or bad and it helped by not dieting, like fixing my relationship with food helps with not dieting. I think people think you just like, you know, eat whatever. Like they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Eat like a whole box of donuts. I'm like, no, I don't. But if I yeah. wanted to, like, I would just eat it. 
Yeah. And it's amazing what happens in your brain, right? Yeah. When you remove the idea of restriction. Yeah, and shame. And shame, yeah, and like fully commit to it. There's this great book for anyone that suffers from any of this or who's going on this journey called The Fuck It Diet. It is the only diet I will ever endorse. Um, (laughs) And it it basically is going down this road of intuitive eating and learning to get in touch with your body and what you like and what you're craving. Because you get to this point, right, where you go, I don't even know what foods I like to eat. Like I remember getting to a point going, okay, I'm going to have a takeaway, but what takeaway do I want? And going, I literally, I can't even imagine what a takeaway, like, I don't even, I don't even know what I feel like, you know? And it's like, what? You don't even know what you want. You don't even know what you feel like to eat. And as humans, like food is connected to so much emotion for us, right? Like it's, we celebrate with food. We grieve with food. We do so much around food. So I love what you said there around the memories, like eating a food that had the positive memory associated to it, you know, like cake is always such a good one, right? Like being like, oh my God, like, cake, birthdays, celebrations, excitement, so fun, or like a Christmas tart or whatever it might be, you know, um, that reminds you of that that positive experience that you had and seeing if you can have a positive experience with food and try and meet that shame that arises and say, hey, it's okay. It's yeah, because okay. I do have like, obviously, I think my relationship with food will always be rocky I don't think recovery is ever linear like you said you never you always I always thought I'd get to this point where I would just never worry where I'd never worry about I'd never worry about my body I'd never worry about my weight and I was like that's fucking bullshit anyone that tries to sell you that and frankly go screw themselves because it's not going to set you up for the reality that is our brain and it is that we do get triggered we do go and have you know relapses or we do go and you know have those thoughts come up from the past and it's going to happen and it's okay it's okay that it happens you know it's okay if you take a couple steps backwards it's okay because what it is is it's I always see those reminders of the path and those patterns coming up as a beautiful initiation into the next part. Cause it really is. That's what it's doing. It's going, Hey, let's remind ourselves of where we came from so that we can figure out where it is that we're going, you know? And when you look at it like that and start to celebrate when you go backwards, that's one of my key things I do with all my clients because I do something called the slow clap. Um, So it's, so every time you have like a thought that's, you know, about something that you used to struggle with, you know, whether it's food, body, whatever it is, I get you to literally stop and slow clap yourself and celebrate the fact that you are either out of your comfort zone or you're just about to leave your comfort zone. Because the reason that our past stuff comes up is because we're growing, changing and evolving. If you aren't growing, changing or evolving and you're within your comfort zone, your past stuff will not be triggered. I guarantee you that. But anytime you are or you're thinking about making change, that's when that stuff's going to come up because your mind is saying, are we ready? Are we ready for this? You know? Yeah. No, that's great. I absolutely love that. And I think what you said before, like, um, it's important to acknowledge how far you've come though because I will have – those moments sometimes where food shame comes in sometimes or guilt and then I'm like you know what no it's okay I just like snap myself out of it I'm like it's those feelings will still come like this is why I'm like 
exactly like what you said. I'm never going to be like, oh, you're going to be completely fine. You're going to love your body every single day. Uh, recovery so easy. All you need to do is do it. Because, like, I tell myself that every day, like, I choose, like, Every day I choose recovery, still to this day, like every single day. I will believe I'm completely recovered. I will believe that. But then there's a part of me that's like, oh, maybe maybe not completely because I'm still thinking about food some days. So every day I choose recovery and every day I choose it for me. And when it comes to food, those feelings will still come in sometimes when you eat more than you usually eat or um, – You've had a full day of like eating not as nutritiously as you would. Like when I was on holidays, I spoke about this. I remember in my stories where I was like eating more than I usually would or eating different foods than I usually would at home. And I let that thought come in and I was like, okay, yeah, great. That's fine. Like it's okay. I've acknowledged that. I'm like not going to feel shame about it. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. But I've acknowledged it and then I'll move on because like not every day great day when it comes to your body and that's okay it doesn't need to be um yeah it doesn't that's like to be like take away that pressure right that pressure of every day needs to be perfect every day i need to feel great around food and i need to feel great about my body like let's take away that pressure and just be like it's okay if that stuff comes up you know and bella this brings us beautifully into the next portion that i really want to talk to you about which is this body acceptance body neutrality this fucking thing that has raid like turned into this mountain of confidence you know that you like I love going to visit your Instagram page because it just it almost bombards my brain with the images that it needs to go it's okay like this shit is normal stop believing that there is only one way that you're meant to look and that everyone looks that way and it's just because what your brain does is isolates you right it's like you're the only one with this problem you're the only one that looks like this you're the only one that has this and that's when it becomes really scary right because we are programmed to fit in we are programmed to belong to the tribe so when you feel alone your survival instincts kick in and go ah, and they out, you know so seeing you on social media so if you everyone needs to follow Bella I will definitely put the link in the show notes if you don't already but honestly just going to your page and seeing like your page is just filled pretty much with almost naked images of you of skin of of lingerie on a different body of body hair and like it's just fucking amazing we were talking before we hit record Bella which was about like imagine what what the world would be like if young people everywhere were growing up looking at images like that rather than images of, you know, the same type of body, you know, and imagine that plus more, imagine you and then a million other people who have different body types, different skin color, different ethnicities, different belief systems, different religions. Imagine that times a million, you know, and what that would, what that would do for everyone growing up of feeling insecure. Cause we all go through moments of feeling insecure than ourselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, it would just be so amazing. I like, I have no words for how it would feel because I remember comparing myself and just judging my body for simply existing, for simply being the way it was for its skin texture, for my dimples, for my rolls, um, all these normal things that I see when I'm walking down the street. <laughs> 
I see it at the gym. I see like women in shorts, like with their dimples showing. I see it on all types of bodies, like the thinnest bodies. I see it on as well, like which like makes me be like, you have to acknowledge. Like that's why I go on about it so much. That's why I post like the naked pics as well because I'm like, well, this is me exactly as I am. I haven't got anything to hide behind. You're literally, even though lingerie, you don't really have much to hide behind, but, you know, I'm like, this is like images you're not used to seeing while you're scrolling your social media because this is an angle you might not be used to looking at or that people might not show, but it's one you probably see 99% of the time, like stepping out of the shower where your body feels so much softer, so much rounder, so much squishier. Like I will capture that moment for you because so you know it's so normal that these things we have on our bodies, like like I said before, the rolls, the stretch marks, the hip dips, the softness, is things that we all have. We just don't see it enough because people upload their best angles online. <laughs> people upload images. Like people upload all their best self. Editing apps are so easily accessible. It's that. terrifying, right? I don't know if anyone's even tried to edit a photo, but it's fucking terrifying oh. how easy it is. Like, absolutely oh, I terrifying. I mm. Yeah. I remember myself, like, when I was still, like, really struggling with my body image, even in my early 20s, because I felt like, you know, I was still struggling up until few years ago now um i would edit my cellulite on my legs it's so obvious now like i look back i'm like <laughs> i love that you're like damn but honestly like who and this is the thing right yeah but we are our own worst critics like we are judging ourselves yeah. one million times harder than other people are even looking at us like my favorite thing to be reminded and to get humbled is to go to the gym and look at everybody looking at themselves. That is my favorite. Oh, and just be like, okay, Kathleen, nobody's really looking at you. Like everybody is pretty self-absorbed. We all are, you know, yeah. inhuman and everyone feels these feelings of insecurity. Just not everybody is vocal about it and shares that and, and knows that it's normal. But Bella, tell us, how did you, how did you go, like, what was that journey like going from, you know, being in recovery to being this amazing content creator that you are now and sharing and spreading your message? What happened in that time frame for you to just flip it on a complete 180, 360? I don't know, but you did some some big zooms, you know? Yeah, so once I started, like, fixing my relationship with food was when I also tried to start fixing my relationship with exercise and movement. So it was in lockdown and um, I was still into dieting, you know, I was still into like the health fads and everything like that. Um, but I was allowing myself a bit more freedom and I was allowing myself food freedom and I, and I was watching all these videos online, just scrolling social media, YouTube was full of work, at-home workouts and everything else. And um, then I was like, I don't want to fucking work out. Like, I'm like, I'm, we're in like a pandemic. Like, I was like, I don't feel like fucking doing this like shit workout. Like, like in your bloody living room, eh? Like, it's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, 
because everything was like come out of lockdown better like more tones like come out of lockdown fitter and I was like I'm just surviving I just want to I just want to survive I just want to go for walks for my mental health I just want to go skating if I feel like it I was like I don't need to do this like I don't need to come out of lockdown looking better than I've ever looked before and once I um, started to not restrict and once I started to, like, move my body out of love, my body did change, like, naturally as it would. Like, it started to change. It started to, like, gain weight. It started to gain extra rolls and, like, stretch marks where there'd never been stretch marks before. Um, but that's because I wasn't restricting. That's because I wasn't exercising six times a week. That's because I was just moving my body out of love and that's because I was eating the foods I wanted to eat because I was realising, you know, like weight loss, I'm not any happier. I'm not, like, it's not giving, like, it's not bringing love to me. It's not helping my career. It's not helping my relationships. It's kind of just making me sad. I was like, it's affecting my mental health more than anything because I'm, constantly obsessed with being thinner I'm constantly obsessed with being smoother and I was noticing even at my dinners like my leg dimples weren't really going away yeah I was like I'm like yo your body's probably always gonna be the the rough shape that it is no matter what weight you you are you know and I think once you realize that and realize that you're never going to bloody look like Heidi Klum or whoever it is that you want to look like. Like I remember I used to have these fantasy moments that I would become Margot Robbie or whoever I wanted, you know, who was <laughs> idolizing at that point in time um, and that I would become them. And it was so important to recognize how much energy, brain power, time and effort that I was putting into not wanting to be who I was not wanting to create things in the world, not wanting to live the life that I have been lucky enough to be able to live. You know, when you think about the energy that goes into that obsession and you realize, holy fuck, what put that energy into living my life, into my relationships, into travel, into my career, into just experiencing joy, into art, into dance, whatever it is that lights you up. What would my life turn into? How would I feel every single day? Yeah. Oh, my God, exactly that. And that's, like, where my mindset went to because I was, like, not any happier trying to be thin. I'm not happy. Like, my mental health is being sacrificed. Like, thinness doesn't equal happiness, love, death as I've been told it would. So who told us that? That's a bullshit lie we need to spoil right now. You ain't going to be happier when you're thinner. You no, you, it's not guaranteed, right? You need to put that on the on the box. Yeah, and it's because, like, my mind had to change, like, not my body, like, my mindset had to change. I had to, like, realise that I am, like, worthy of all of these things, happiness, love, success, whatever else I wanted right now, regardless of what I look like. And because of that, um, the not, like, exercising, my mindset was changing. Obviously, my body started to change. And it started to find what I call is like my happy weight now. Like um, it started to find that, the weight that I felt my happiest at, felt my um, best at. And then I kind of just wanted to share that like message. It was like I literally posted my first post on my own 
personal account. Like the account I have now is still my personal account. That's why there's a wow. There definitely wouldn't be a six at the end of my Instagram username if it wasn't. I love it. And yeah, tell us about this journey on social media because you have grown to have hundreds of thousands of people who are like just so great like the comment sections in your videos are some of the happiest i've ever seen some of the most accepting some of the most beautiful sections which it's not it's not always guaranteed that that's what it's going to be like on the internet but you've created this beautiful community so tell us about that journey and i'm imagining the fear and the confidence that you built going through that journey yeah so the first photo i ever uploaded was like very bad quality now that i look back (laughs) so i just like Snapped a, I think I snapped like a full length photo in a mirror wearing a swimsuit. And I think the caption was like, skin is textured. And it showed, it was my first ever photo. And I was so scared to upload it where I hadn't edited the dimples on my legs, where I hadn't airbrushed them out. So I was so nervous to upload it. And at this time, I started following really like um, empowering made me feel confident in my skin, confident in my body to share this content. Like I um, have no idea how I, I even came across them. I think I typed in like self-love or something and then I found these accounts and I was like, oh, my God, like that's so cool. Like they have dimples and they have something like two and like, oh, my God, they're not afraid. Hey, so I was like, and they're not afraid. They love themselves, you know. You're like, huh, that's possible? Yeah. <laughs> like. It was like, uh, like it was in lockdown, obviously. So people were going down a different path. Like um, they were either exercising a lot or they were like learning to accept themselves more, finding a new hobby, doing all these things. And like loving myself kind of became my hobby because I was like, it was like a to here first, love yourself as your new hobby. Yeah. It was so interesting because I was like, just seeing my body changing in front of my eyes kind of made me a lot more accepting of it. Like, cause I was like, okay, it's changing, like to support my new journey, to support my new um, life. And that's fine. It's evolving. And like that became really accepting for me. And I love that because the first photo I uploaded and like, I think the first like 10 after that, no one saw it. It was just family and friends. So it wasn't like, I was doing it to like gain people's attention. I was just doing it to help my family and friends because I was like just writing all my emotions. Like my Instagram was literally like my diary, I would say a lot of the time. Um, Long ass captions, like (laughs) novels, just my feelings and my emotions at the time. So like I just started doing that and then people came along and like started liking it a lot more and like you said like i'm so blessed with like the community of queens we have um and they're also loving and supportive and i'm happy i've helped them love their body even just a little bit um yeah i'm just really grateful for that and just glad i did it and glad through this experience it's helped me love myself so much more because i'm like yeah, that's literally me naked on the internet. Great. <laughs> You've just like done the probably the, the scariest thing your 17-year-old self could ever imagine you doing. Ever. And you've ever. done it and you've been like, and I think this is what's really interesting about, um, you know, going on this journey of self-love. I think 
what a lot of people don't realize is that self-acceptance is at the root of love. Like self-love for me when I was in my eating disorder days, I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to love myself. Like that is so unattainable. Like who the fuck cares? And (laughs) the way that helped me and what I preach is um, like acceptance, just accepting myself for where I'm at, treating myself with minimal levels of respect and kindness that I would treat anybody else out there. Right. Because the sad reality is that we would never treat people in our lives the way that we've treated ourselves. I agree. Ever, right? Like you would, you just, you would never do that, right? And it's so heartbreaking because you are the person that you're going to literally wake up with every single day for the rest of your life. Like this relationship with you and the body that you've been given is so fucking important. And it's amazing people like you in the world who are pushing the fucking limit of all the bullshit that we've been told and we still are being told about what defines beauty, what defines and is worthy of love and acceptance. And your images of body hair was something that absolutely triggered the fuck out of me when I first saw it. I was like, oh, my God, you know. And I was like, yeah, I love you too. <laughs> exactly right. And it's a very positive trigger in this sense and it was – so incredibly refreshing to hear someone talking about shaving rash on your vagine. You know, I'm like, yeah, of course it, it happens, but we don't speak about it. Right. And seeing you pair that with the beauty of lingerie, you, you post so many pictures of yourself in underwear. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome because for so many years we've been told that, you know, to wear this lingerie. Yeah. I remember trying on my like lingerie when, you know, being like, Oh, I'm too, I'm too bloated to wear it. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous, right? You're like, well, why do I have it? You know, seeing um, you, yeah, just constantly push, push the limits and push the boundaries. And I imagine it takes a lot of inner work within yourself to be able to do that. Is there still fear that comes up for you or has it become just normal now? No, no fear um, in terms of what people would say. Cause I get like trolled daily from like, I've been to people so many comments like all over the sun and doesn't really like get to me anymore to be honest unless it was like unless I'm having a very particularly bad body image day and unless it was shared to like another page where there's none of my followers like just random people which will happen um no, I have no fear posting it. The only fear I have is that Instagram will take it down. That's my only yes. fear. Oh, my so God. Yeah. And that's, I have no comments. But it's so fucked, fucked, right? Because yeah. they do. They do take stuff like this down, you know? Yeah. And that sucks because it's it's creating so much positivity in the world when there's so much shit on Instagram that's so oh. awful, right? And you're like, why is this there, you know? Like ads for friggin' diet pills or laxatives, you know? Like why are they there and why are you not, you know? Like why – so, I mean, a big topic for another day, but yeah. honestly, you're amazing. And so to recap and end this, Bella, what is the couple things that you wish to tell anyone on this journey? What would you want them to know? I think like one of my most important things I like to remind myself and other people is that like you don't owe anyone thinness. Like you don't owe yourself it. You don't owe your family it. You don't owe your friends it. You don't owe someone on the street a thinner body. 
Like, but you do owe yourself like kindness and respect and just to accept that like all the things that you feel insecure about, all the things that you label as your flaws, your insecurities are normal human real things that we all have, that we all have on our bodies. You just may not see it all the time, but it is there. Like all of these things I have, like that you have. So I just think reminding yourself that is so important especially when you're feeling low, that it's okay to have that. It's okay to have stretch marks. It's okay. They're normal. Part of being human. Um, it's just so important. Just be kind to yourself as well. Like it's just a bad body image day. You don't have a bad body at the end of the day. Um, be kind to yourself. Treat yourself res- with respect. And if you're struggling to love or accept your body, I like to always say, that you don't need to. You just need to acknowledge that your body is getting you through life. Your body is allowing you to experience life, allowing you to experience joy, release sadness. It's allowed you to create all these beautiful, amazing um, memories, and it's just existing as it is, and it's okay. Mm, that's so fucking everything in there was gold i want to like put that as my daily mantra that i listen to every morning along with your daily hype up you know and it's so true you don't owe anybody thinness and you also don't have to love your body you don't have to be in love with every aspect of it you know but as long as you focus on committing to that journey of recovery and treating yourself with the acceptance and kindness that you would treat anybody in your life with you know like giving yourself that minimal level of kindness and really prioritizing being grateful for the things that your body allows you to experience is so beautiful you are literally the most amazing person ever. I'm so excited to see every single future post you ever do. And if you don't follow Bella already, I will link her in the show notes here. Thank you so much for being here today, Bella. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. What a great chat. What a great chat. Thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode with Bella. What a woman. And I cannot wait to see more of her in the world. I'm sure Bella will be back on the podcast very soon. She has so much to share and I cannot wait to have her back on. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast or share it with a friend, share it with someone who has been struggling with things like this that you know needs some support and please get them to follow Bella. Have the most beautiful day and remember that you are enough, you are worthy, you are important and you are just so worth it just as you are. You don't need to change yourself in order to feel like you are enough because you are. And also some exciting news is that I will be sharing the next episode of The Boundless South, which is going to be all about inner child work. And this has probably been my most requested episode to do. So make sure you tune back in next week to listen.